My name is Herb Montgomery, and I'm the director of Renewed Heart Ministries. We are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about rediscovering, following, and helping others rediscover the teachings and sayings of the historical Jesus of Nazareth. We believe that these teachings have an intrinsic value in informing the work of nonviolently confronting, liberating, and transforming our world into a safe, more just, more compassionate home for us all. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. For now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I'm excited this week to share with you that we have named our weekly podcast. Uh, Renewed Heart Ministries weekly podcast will now be going by the name Jesus for Everyone. So welcome this week to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. This is episode 170. The title this week is not just saying Master, Master, and our feature text is Sang's Gospel Q 646, Why do you call me master, master, and do not do what I say? Our companion texts are Luke 6, 46, and 47. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. Also, Matthew 7, 21 through 24. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine came up to me with some concern after one of my evening presentations. We were in the middle of a week-long series on the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, and we'd progressed through Jesus' rejection of violence and his teachings on sharing our surplus with the poor. And those two teachings alone were about enough for him. He said, Herb, I feel like you're you're making uh, or you're giving us a really difficult way to get to heaven. And at that moment, I really didn't understand Uh, all that his statement meant. But as I thought about it for a while, some things began to become clear to me. First, I didn't write the Sermon on the Mount. And yes, there are uh, things in it that are are difficult to accept, especially for Americans today. It's statements on nonviolence in Matthew 5.39 and anti-capitalism in Matthew 19.23 are potently un-American. So, so yes, yeah, some things in Matthew's gospel are, are, are difficult for us. But before we chuck the entire message, let's first ask what sector of society we're encountering these teachings from. Uh, where, 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 are we, uh, where are we standing in, in society? Those of us who are, are privileged in the status quo always find the teachings of Jesus difficult, whereas those who are subjugated, they tend to resonate with his teachings as being good news. But both the oppressor and the oppressed, though, let me say this, they're both challenged uh, with the practice of nonviolence, and although it it does challenge them in, in very different ways. So if a saying of Jesus initially strikes you as difficult, first begin by by locating yourself within the socioeconomic pyramid and, and, and why you're 
place in society might make his teachings hard to accept. And secondly, nowhere in the Gospels does Jesus present us uh, with a nice and easy program to follow so we can obtain postmortem bliss or or, or heaven. You just won't find it. Jesus' teachings were were about uh, the the empire of God here on earth in this generation through through people learning how to to take care of people. It's Paul's gospel that addresses postmortem bliss, not not Jesus's. And Jesus uh, placed before us a, a vision of things on earth being transformed to be as they are in heaven. He was not giving us a, a difficult way to get to heaven, but rather a risky and awfully deeply challenging way to heal this world. And I believe Jesus was showing us a path, a, a way, so to speak, to a safer, more just, more compassionate world for us all through through mutual participation and mutual care. And, and let's talk about doing as Jesus said for a moment. G.K. Chesterton is often quoted as saying that the history of Christianity does not prove that the teachings of Jesus have been tried and found wanting, but that those teachings have been found difficult and left untried. That's from What's Wrong with the World. Um, but again, Jesus isn't trying to make it hard for us to get to heaven. He's being honest about how, how hard it really is to make our world a safer, more just, more compassionate home for everyone. When we tell the truth about this, we don't make following Jesus hard. We're simply being honest about how hard it can be for those at the top of our social economic pyramids to follow Jesus. It's easy to worship Jesus. It's easy to hold a cosmological notion about Jesus. It's much more challenging to distill his ethical teachings from a first century Jewish context and apply them to the challenges that we face in our society today. And it's still more challenging once you do that to actually then follow through with those actions. But but I believe the challenge is absolutely worth it. No medical student graduates from medical school and says, man, what a bunch of legalistic professors. All they told me for four years was do this and do that, do this and don't do that. And instead, they go out into the world with a set of skills and perceptions that we all hope will enable them to alleviate suffering in our world. And it's the same with Jesus. Jesus didn't give us a list of doctrines to believe. He left us with a set of teachings, wisdom teachings, that as we endeavor to put them into practice, our experience grows, our practice becomes more skilled, and our listening becomes more honed, and our actions become more intrinsically healing and liberating to those who are not privileged by the current status quo. Matthew is clear. Not everyone who calls Jesus Lord will enter the empire of God. And I'm beginning to prefer the term empire over kingdom because I believe it's it's more historically consistent with the time in which Jesus taught. When, when, when the whole region that Jesus lived in lived under the oppression of the Roman Empire, Jesus was using the phrase empire of God very subversively, where people took care of people rather than people uh, oppressing or subjecting or dominating other people. Luke is clear, too, that the sayings of Jesus must be uh, put into practice. Uh, This set of of teachings includes the the way of grace, of nonviolence, of peacemaking, uh, loving enemies, forgiveness, restorative justice, transformative justice, social justice, economic justice, uh, working alongside those who are oppressed and those who are marginalized, disinherited and excluded. uh, 
it's a generous inclusivity, a radical sharing of resources and a, a community built on the principle that the empire of God is people, again, taking care of people rather than people competing with people. And if I had to choose between someone who, who believed in all the cosmological claims about Jesus, but did not wish to put into practice the teachings of Jesus, and someone who, who doubted the cosmological claims, but saw intrinsic value in Jesus's teachings and sought to both understand and, and practice them in the here and now, I would have to choose the latter. The, the, the former has brought too much suffering on our world. Those who, who believe in, in, in great claims about Jesus, but don't follow his teachings. And the latter, uh, at least in de- endeavors to alleviate that suffering, and sometimes they even succeed at it. Uh, a history worth reading is, is Philip Jenkins' book, Laying Down the Sword, Why We Can't Ignore the Bible's Violent Verses. And this book will, will be on one of, it'll be a, one of our annual reading course books, um, either this year or, or, or next year, I don't know which, but but it is on the list. But uh, we'll get to that in the in that course. If you're not signed up for the, our annual reading course, um, uh, go to renewedheartministries.com, go to sign up on the top, and uh, click on the news emails that you'd like to get the news emails from Renewed Heart Ministries. And each month we'll send you a news email that lets you know what this month's book is. Calling Jesus Master, I, I want to address the word master in, in, in this week's saying as well. As we progress through the sayings gospel cue, we're, we're going to see that, that Jesus taught what we would today call anarchy. Anarchy does not mean chaos. It means the rejecting of hierarchy. Anarchy rejects the way of domination and subjugation. And I want to be clear here. While anarchy is commonly associated with freedom, Jesus didn't teach freedom as we individualistically understand it today. He taught that that although we're, we're not to seek to dominate or subjugate one another, we are also not free from one another. We are connected. We are interdependent and no person is an island. And as branches on the vine, we we are dependent on each other. And Jesus taught uh, the way of mutual aid. And he he, he cast a vision of a world where people are mutually serving each other. And the hope of our world in Sayings Gospel Q is not our devising more efficient ways of subjugating others, but in our discovering more effective ways of taking care of one another. And yet we have this word master in this week's verse. Um, and I don't believe that the, the Jesus of Saints Gospel Q actually wanted to be anyone's master or even Lord in the sense of an emperor or a feudal baron. And I see no example of Jesus grasping that kind of power in, in any of the sayings in Saints Gospel Q. Like all wisdom teachers, Jesus desired to lead his listeners to a better way. And I don't see him in any of the synoptic gospels wanting to dominate others. His his desire was not to be served, but to model what it means to serve. Mark 10, 41 through 45, when the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first 
first among you uh, must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 24 through 28, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Luke twenty two twenty four through 27 a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be the greatest. And Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it, the one, is it not the one who's at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Even in the Gospel of John, which was written much later than the other canonical Gospels and, and uses lordship language the most, uh, we still find this narrative in John 13, 4 through 5 and 12 through 15. So he got it from the meal. He took off the outer uh, out, uh, his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Then in verse 12, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to the table. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. These passages suggest to me that that Jesus was was much more interested in modeling and teaching a different way for us to live together as members of the human family. And even when he uses the phrase empire of God, he subverted the domination empire of his day and cast a vision for a world where people once again no longer dominated and subjugated each other as they did in the empires of, of, of that time. And Jesus did not emerge in Judaism only to become another in the long list of lords who practiced domination. Instead, he, he showed up as something very, very different. And this week's saying is a significant challenge to today's Christian culture. Today, today, we overwhelmingly emphasize verbally acknowledging Jesus as Lord, and sometimes they use the phrase Lord and Savior so, so that a person can be assured uh, of a post-mortem seed in the non-smoking section. Yet in many sectors of the Christian religion, the sayings of Jesus on non-violence, his preferential option for the poor, his critique of the domination nation systems of our world, they're, they're largely ignored by those who call him Lord. And, and we read these sayings of Jesus in the Gospels, but, but we don't hear them. And the sayings pass right, right by us without substantially challenging the shape of our world. And it's a very strange phenomenon to me, and one that I too used to experience where these things can just glide right past you. But I recently finished a book entitled Dorothy Day for Armchair Theologians by Elizabeth Henson Hasty, and uh, 
if you've not read it, uh, I, I recommend it. Day is an example of a modern Christian who tried to take the sayings of Jesus seriously and to apply them in her life. And Day wrote, uh, the gospel takes away our right forever to discriminate between the deserving and undeserving poor. That's the Catholic worker, uh, May 1940. And the contrast between that paradigm and the paradigm that I hear from some Christians today is stark. And yet there, I believe there is hope. There are many who have woken up and are waking up to this contrast. And to each of you, this week's saying serves, I hope, as an encouragement. You're working in the light that is being given off by this question, why do you call me master, master, and do not do what I say? Sings Gospel Q 646. Heart group application this week. This week, pick either Matthew's Sermon on the Mount or Luke's Sermon on the Plain, either one, and dedicate some time to reading either one. And, and then after you've read through your, your selection, number one, pick a saying that you would like to, to lean more deeply into. And then number two, research that saying, including different perspectives and interpretations of this saying. And start with a simple Google search if you don't know where else to begin. And remember what we covered last week. Uh, consider what the fruit of varying interpretations uh, is, what, 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 that, what the fruit of the interpretations has yielded and, and what it could produce. And then number three, experiment with putting this saying into practice in this coming week. And, and when you do, I want you to journal about the experience um, before you forget it and then share your reflections with your heart group when you when you come together. And thank you again, all of you. Thank you for, for joining us this week. Uh, let's keep putting the sayings of Jesus into practice and let's do it together till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free, even our educational events that we do in various venues. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking the Donate tab on the top right. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. Make sure you also sign up for our free resources and remember, every little bit helps. And as always, anything we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily give away to other not-for-profits who are making both systemic and personal differences, significant differences in the lives of those not presently benefited by the status quo. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, your generous support makes it possible for us to exist and to continue being a presence of positive change in our world. So with all of our hearts, thank you. Together we are making a difference till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. <laughs>